0: I like the sound. 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 A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast.
1: A ragbag podcast. You
0: may recognise this sound as the Islamic call to prayer, which is known in Arabic as Adan. The root of the word is Adina, meaning to listen, to hear, be informed about. Another derivative of this word is Utan, meaning ear. Whenever I hear a recording like this, it reminds me of my first visit to a majority Muslim country, Morocco. We do have mosques where I live, of course, but none of them use loudspeakers to broadcast a call to prayer, so I tend to miss out on stuff like this. Elsewhere in the world, mosques have been using loudspeakers to announce the call to prayer since the development of this relatively new technology in the 1930s. I knew about all of this when I went to Morocco. I'd heard recordings of the call to prayer plenty of times before, enough to be familiar with the sound. Still, when I heard it in context, blasting through the city of Marrakesh at regular intervals throughout the day. It wasn't quite what I expected. I'm not a religious person myself, by the way. Like Professor Richard Dawkins, I am an atheist. Unlike Professor Richard Dawkins, I'm not anti-religion. Believe what you want to believe, man. Dawkins said a particularly horrible thing about the call to prayer once. He says a lot of horrible things. It's a shame, really. In my early twenties, I was greatly inspired by Dawkins' writings on zoology, evolution and Darwinism. His book, The Selfish Gene, genuinely changed the way I see the world. That book in particular seemed to have been written with a lot of warmth and love for humanity. It's a shame that Dawkins has become better known for his anti-religious diatribes in recent years. In 2018, Dawkins tweeted a picture of himself outside Winchester Cathedral and said that the church bells he could hear were much nicer than the aggressive sounding Allah Akbar. Of course Dawkins has every right to express his opinion, although I personally suspect it's not his actual viewpoint, more like a provocative statement that he knows he'll get some kind of reaction from. You know, like a seven-year-old objecting to there being too many of the red variety of M&Ms in his packet by throwing them down the stairs. I like the sound of M&Ms being thrown down the stairs. Seriously, though, I do think it's a shame that Dawkins has decided to buy into this hurtful and divisive stereotype that Islam is an aggressive religion in contrast to gentle, harmless Christianity. I also think he's just plain wrong. I don't interpret the call to prayer as an aggressive sound at all. That being said, when I visited Morocco, it turned out I had my own unconscious prejudice. It wasn't the sound of the call to prayer that surprised me. It was the general public's reaction to the sound. I realized without having really thought this through, when the sound blasted out of those speakers, I was half expecting everyone to stop what they were doing and flood inside or pray on the spot they were standing on. But that isn't what happened. Everyone just carried on doing what they were doing, largely ignoring the call to prayer. Which, once you've heard it a few times, blends into the background anyway. I suppose I hadn't really considered the practicalities of praying five times a day whilst also doing everything else that needs to be done to keep the city running. I hadn't really considered what the call to prayer was. In the back of my mind, I've been assuming it was a command. But as far as I can tell, that's not what it is. It's an invitation. And there's a big difference between a command and an invitation, right? An invitation is like, yeah... Maybe we should hang out sometime, yeah? And a command is, Maybe we should hang out sometime, yeah? On this episode of I Like the Sound, we're going to be hearing from some very cool people about their experiences of hearing unfamiliar sounds in unfamiliar places. We really do have some great stories lined up. Let's hear, first of all, from David Ivar from Herman Dune.
1: It's actually an obsession of mine. So I'll, I'll tell it to you. When you go to Venice... Italy, Venetia, it has a sound that only happens a few times a year that signals the high water, the aqua alta, when the city will be floated. I was in Venice and asleep and suddenly I heard what I've been calling the eerie sound of the high water. And the eerie sound of the high water is something that will uh, follow me through my dreams um, my whole life. You know, if you don't know what it's about and you're wake, you're, you're rise to the three notes of the eerie uh, sort of a horn of a boat going through the city of Venice to tell people that there'll be a flood, flood in the morning. It's like real life horror film, but also very poetic in a way. It really sounded to me like the angel of death was going through the city to tell people of the end of the world. It was like, it was so eerie. And I'll remember in my whole life. And you have to be from Venice or to have been there like me a day when there was gonna be a flood on the next morning to know what I'm talking about. And it's good. So I call it the eerie sound of the high water And this will probably be the best thing I ever do would be what I do. If I find a way to describe that feeling one day.
0: Uh, That's Yeah, I I didn't know that that was a thing. So that's very interesting.
1: Most people don't, you know, you, you have to be from there. And if it's the case, I guess you don't talk about it. It's just the way it is since you were a kid. Or you have to have been there and to have been there, a night where the next day would be flooding, so you know it sort of limits the possibilities.
0: Yeah. So is this like a like a kind of an evacuation alarm system that they've got?
1: Willingly, I haven't gone into the details of the actual process because I am I'm liking my uh, version of what happened. But I think it's a boat that goes through the city uh, with a horn with three specific notes that that go to like, doo, 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 but really low and probably uh not an electronic horn i think it's a physical uh it's like something is blowing through an actual horn and uh i think a boat go through the city it's not a big city and through the canals and uh just to warn people that they have because when you live in venice if there's going to be a flood you need to uh, set tables on the street and uh, you know rise the levels of your tables and uh, every possession you have because your house can be floated but some people do it all the time they walk on tables and uh, all the time they do it when there's a flood so a few times a year i guess so i think that's about going through the canals You're always surprised by your sound that everything, everyone around you, you think is totally normal, you know. Uh, Well, here in San Pedro at Sunset uh, Lifeguard Station plays the national anthem really loud. So if you're not aware of it, you know, it could be surprising. And, uh, or the first time you hear a cat, sort of before they get in a fight, they they sort of, there's like a face off of two cats. And the first time you hear that, it's like a, you know, like a uh, skrill, uh, a a a shrieking witch sound or something of two cats uh, getting ready for a fight. That's uh, that's a sound that if you're not prepared or you haven't heard, or if you don't live in a city with street cats, uh, when you hear it for the first time, it's really strange. Or, mind you, living in the United States, there's a whole like a fauna that doesn't exist elsewhere. So, you know, in the morning here, for instance, there's like uh, raccoons, they do a crazy sound, you know, it's like in uh, Roger Rabbit when the the weasels, you know, laugh, you know, it's like this like this sort of a weird, um, weird sort of laughing, uh, demented sound that the raccoons do when they play in the morning, you know,
0: Let's hear from Neo Geo.
2: Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite experiences in that regard was I spent several months in Taiwan some years ago, just before I wrote the first album. And for a trip, we went into the jungle and we stayed there from early morning and until the next afternoon. We spent the night in the jungle with a group of other people just having a good time playing some instruments, talking. But at night, the sound of this place was absolutely magical, just thick and overwhelming with dreamlike influences. You know, there's all sort of strange creatures crawling around and we had light and, and fire there to be safe. But there's just such life in there and the fact that you can't see it because it's just dark it's really uh, powerful in a way that takes you in a place where you think maybe anything could be possible because it's just sort of primal feeling. I really, I can never forget that experience. Even if you heard a a sound at home, if I'm sitting here at night, I might hear some birds. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that's a jackdaw or that's a sparrow whatever it is and you're used to it but (laughs) in a strange jungle you've never been before now that was heck of a trip I really enjoyed that One in particular that stands out is perhaps not so unfamiliar as it was seemingly overwhelming. The first time I visited New York several years ago, I came in through JFK and I went over to what's called the Port Authority Bus Station, where it's a massive sort of interchange between um, buses that go to pretty much any part of the, the, the country, from the north to the south to the west, all over. and. Being there in the middle of rush hour and listening to all the people clamoring in the street, all the vehicles, all the sort of machines clinging and clanking here and there and some construction and whatnot, I've never seen that much life in one place at one time and to think and look around and see that every little square inch of everything I could see was man-made. Somebody put that down at one point, somebody built that, somebody designed that and every part of my field of vision was covered with something man-made and it was a very overwhelming experience but I enjoyed it for its chaotic beauty somehow.
0: Finally, we're going to be hearing from the musician and podcaster Martin Auswick who has gone further than most in exploring unfamiliar sounds. Martin records under the name Pale Bird in 2018, he recorded an epic four-part album series called Year of the Bird while traveling the world. And many of the sounds he recorded on his travels made their way directly into his music. I highly recommend you check out the album series, by the way. It's extraordinarily good. Now let's hear from Martin.
3: There's one track I did, which is not my... It's actually my least favorite track on the album, but I do really like the sounds. Uh, it's called... The empire strikes back because it was I'd, i was in kyoto and i i found this uh, in an antique shop there was a bus sign from where i grew up in the midlands which is really weird but uh, the sounds themselves i like i went to kyoto there's a food market there i went to a kyoto food market and recorded the sound of a um a waffle press an automated waffle press i recorded the sound of like bird song there Um, there was a in the one of the castles in kyoto there's like a floor called The Nightingale Floor that is sort of mounted on nails and it kind of squeaks as you walk along it. So I use that sound as well. That's the one that probably had the most like found sounds on. There's one I really, a song I really like actually called Lighthouse, um, which is uses the sound of a coki frog. And the koki frog is this tiny little little frog, like about the size of a penny. It's a little brown frog that is native to Puerto Rico. Um, and it goes, it goes oh, eh, like that. I can't quite do it high enough. It's like uh, and it turns out that interval is a dominant seventh so it's quite a nice musical musical interval but so so we were in hawaii and they've started to spread to hawaii they got they think they snuck in on some banana, bananas or something they're so loud and there's tons of them and they're so small you walk towards where you think it might be and they go completely silent and it and because it's at night when they when they're calling there's you can't spot them but it's <laughs> it's a really beautiful sound there's also like a lin-manuel miranda track where he used um the sound of these frogs because uh, you know, sort of it's a real sort of emblem of Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's quite that's a really cool sound. Actually, they sound like birds, but they're these tiny, tiny, but really loud frogs. I don't want to be denied
2: So I take
3: what I can gather When it's washed up by the tide that you can see
2: they were there below the surface
3: and that mess is due to me I was at my parents when I was recording this record I just popped up to visit them and they bought this thing out of the attic. There's like this little keyboard instrument. And it, like you turn it on as like a fan. And then you play chords. And it's like an accordion. So it's not like an accordion that you squeeze with your hands. It's like a fan that forces air through the reeds. So it's really noisy. But that was, I mean, it's called a, it was called a chord organ. And I've never seen them before. It was around in the 60s, I think. There's this whole story about my um, my pe- grandparents moved house. They chopped up the their piano for firewood because it was like just like pianos were ten a penny. It was just heartbreaking to me. But they got this little chord organ so my grandfather could like play some music and because he was in choir and stuff and he could practice. There's a track I did in Minnesota Sunrise where I use like wine glasses. I love the sound like when you just rub the finger in the rim of a wine glass. I know some people really hate that but it's just a really nice pure tone and then he took that into a sample and you can make lovely chords from it. On the last track of uh, Year of the Bird there's a tap and uh, it like, you turn it to a certain position. So there's water running through it and it hits this note. And then you turn it, you close it off a bit and it sort of goes, so it's a really eerie tone. And it's just a tap in the place we were staying. Uh, and then the, the thing, uh, on my, my favorite track on the other the Birds is this track called um, Semi-Prepared Remarks for a Surprise Award Ceremony. And uh, there's this sort of, on this recording, there's this gong sound, uh, which is, I was in, um, we'd gone to a kitchen shop so that my father-in-law could buy a birthday present for my mother-in-law so he was looking at all these saucepans and i just got really bored because it's not a very fun experience but they had these big brass uh, saucepans and frying pans hanging out from the ceiling so i just got out my iphone and started like hitting them and like sampling them you know when the staff weren't looking um so but of course there are people talking in the background and i hadn't realized when they did this recording there's a saying of like my wife like Laughing at something, so the very last sound you hear in that track is the gong, and and then just because it's slowed down, you just hear my like my wife's laughter going ho ho ho, ho like pitch down. Uh, <laughs> I just really like that, that. it's like it's this musical thing, but then there's just a little bit of bit of hair in there. That's quite nice. That's my that's what that's one of my favourite sounds. My wife's my wife's la- laughter. I have to say it is.
2: I
0: Like The Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. Many thanks to this week's guests, David Ivar from Herman Dune, Neo Geo and Martin Auswick. Check out the links to their work in the show notes. Myself and David Ivar recently recorded a four-part podcast series called Not On Top, celebrating 20 years of the band Herman Dune. I have to say, it was an honour to be involved in this project, and the end result was something really special, so please do check it out. Neo Geo recently released the seventh and final album in his long-running series. The album is called Odyssey and it's great. Martin Auswick has lots of things going on as well. Check out Pale Bird, check out his podcasting work. He co-presents a show called Song by Song, all about the work of Tom Waits, plus a whole bunch of other stuff that he's involved with, including The Illusionist of course, which is very much the gold standard by which a podcast such as this one ought to be measuring itself. Whenever I get stuck on something I simply ask myself the question what would Helen Zaltzman do, eh? My website is frankburton.co.uk I have several books available to buy My other podcast, Ragbag, ran for 100 episodes between 2018 and 2021 It's great fun, please do check that out The new podcast, Ragbag Presents will be available soon as well Speaking of Ragbag Presents that's our handle on Twitter and Instagram Please share this show around, leave us a rating and review, get in touch, let us know what you like the sound of. I will
1: see you soon.